Now, you've had plenty of time to get your Bible and plenty of time to get your cup of coffee or whatever you want to do. And let's talk about this uh, triumph over the storm. Again, in 2 Corinthians 2.14, the Bible tells us, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. The more triumphant we are, the more we spread the fragrance of the knowledge of God. And notice it says, always, always. He leads us always in triumphal procession. He didn't have a little asterisk after that or a little clause that said, unless you're in the middle of a storm or middle of a battle, then suddenly you're going to be led in defeat. Now we're still being led in triumph. And I'm going to talk about that today for just a moment. In Isaiah chapter 4, uh, verse 2, the scripture says, In that day the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious and the fruit of the land will be the pride and glory of the survivors in Israel. Those who are left in Zion who remain in Jerusalem will be called holy, and all who are recorded among the living in Jerusalem. The Lord will wash away the filth of the women of Zion and cleanse the bloodstains uh, from Jerusalem by the spirit of judgment and a spirit of fire. It says, Then the Lord will uh, create, uh, the Lord will, let me get to the right place here, then the Lord will create over all Mount Zion and over those who assemble a cloud of smoke by day, a glowing fire by night, over all the glory will be a canopy. It will be a shelter, listen to this, it will be a shelter and a shade from the heat of the day and a refuge and a hiding place from the storm and the rain. Listen, child of God, he is your refuge. He is your place of triumph and victory in the midst of a storm. In uh, Psalm chapter 10, verse 29, the Bible says, He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. In Psalm 55a, he says, Hasten my escape from the windy storm and the tempest. That's probably what you're saying right now. Enough is enough of this storm. Let's go ahead and see the ending point to this. Well, I want to remind you that every storm has a termination point, has a shelf life. It has a time when it is going to be over. And we're sensing that even right now. We're in the midst of a perfect storm. We've got sickness and we've got death and we've got confusion and hardship, economic difficulty and strife, uh, panic and fear. And I want you to understand this, that many are going to survive but not everyone is actually thriving in the midst of this situation. Many will survive, but God wants his people to thrive. Declare it boldly even right now. I'm not a survivor. I'm a thriver. I'm going to thrive in the midst of this situation. Now, to survive means to remain alive after the cessation of something or the occurrence of some terrible event. It means to continue to exist you know, what a high standard it is. Well, I existed, I survived, I made it through. That's not God's standard for you and for me. Your standard from God is to thrive in the midst of this. That means to prosper, to be fortunate, to be successful. And listen to this, to grow and develop vigorously to flourish. You and I are to thrive and develop and flourish even in the midst of the storm. You're not a survivor, you're a thriver because you're one of God's covenant people. In the scripture in Psalm 107, those caught, say there's caught in the storm in verse 28, they cried out, Lord, help. They cried in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He calmed the storm to a whisper and stilled the waves. What a blessing was that stillness as he brought them safely into harbor. Well, the good news for you and for me, both in terms of, uh, you know, historically and also prophetically, this storm has had its day. Watch and see the power of God to bring you safely into harbor as well. 
I want to just talk to you for a minute about the reasons for storms. Because if your storm theology is out of whack, you're not going to understand what God's trying to instill in you today in terms of being a person that thrives instead of survives. Some storms come because we simply don't listen. You know, when Paul was on that vessel bound for his preaching destination, he told the owner and the captain, this is not a wise time to sail, but they did it anyway. And the bottom line, that caused them a severe shipwreck. Now, in the end, didn't stop Paul from doing what he was called to do. They had a, a miracle breakout on that island, and great things took place. Everyone got healed, and he went on his way on an Alexandrian ship to his preaching point, laying down with everything he needed to do his ministry. So God restored, but the storm was not the problem. The problem is they didn't listen. And sometimes you and I go through storms because we don't listen. We miss a signal, and in missing that signal, we experience some things that God never ordained for us to experience. Number two, storms because of the curse. Uh, storms come because of the curse. We know in Romans that this entire earth, the ground, the world is longing to be delivered from the curse that is there. What happened was in the garden, sin was introduced and with sin came the curse. Now you and I as covenant children of God, we've been redeemed from the curse. We have a liberty and a freedom and a joy that the physical planet doesn't have. And so you're going to see storms. You're going to see hurricanes. You're going to see tornadoes. You're going to see monsoons. You're going to see typhoons. You're going to see all kinds of things happen. Earth earthquakes and famines. You're going to see all kinds of movement of that earth, and that has nothing to do with the will of God. When God left us in charge of this planet, there was nothing but peace. There was no disturbance, even in terms of climate. Everything associated with a storm is based on the the reality that the curse remains. Well, guess what? One day that's not going to be the case. He'll even deal with the curse that's on this earth and we will be completely delivered and this planet will be completely delivered as well. So storms come because we don't listen. Storms come because of the curse. Number three, storms come because of disobedience. Just like Jonah had the opposite way and the storm came, you and I can outright defy what God calls us to do and it can introduce a very choppy season for us and it wouldn't have happened had we just obeyed what God told us to do. Maybe you're sitting there today and thinking, yeah, I know this one storm is going on, but I have some storms in my life that I think are kind of detached from the present storm around the world, and maybe it's because I'm not doing what God wants me to do. What do I do about that? You just repent. Take a, a hint from Jonah and go back and do what you're supposed to do. And you'll find yourself not li living in the storm, but living in the peace. But I'm going to talk about this fourth category of storms today. As storms that come because of warfare. They are demonically inspired. They're manipulating people with demon forces and influence. The storm we're in right now, this perfect storm, COVID-19, I believe with all of my heart, has its spiritual origin. That behind the scenes, you have the devil trying to steal, kill, and destroy. To bankrupt nations, to destroy nations, to stop the plan of God. But the good news for you and for me is the devil never has been, nor will he ever be able to stop the plan of God. But this is the reality. So if it is a spiritual storm and it's manipulating people even to do certain things that, that normally even they wouldn't do or being influenced to do things that are not necessarily God's way, there are all kinds of voices out there. There are all kinds of you know influences out there. The reality is um, whatever is going on is a strong component of demonic activity in people, through people, in this situation. So I want to talk to that uh, for just a moment. You know, warfare storms have certain markers. You can always tell that you're in a warfare storm. 
The thief cometh not over to steal, kill, and destroy. I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. The one side is, is where the enemy is having his way. The other side is where God is having his way in our lives. He's not called you to be stolen from, to be beat up, to be you know chewed up and spit out. He's calling you to have the abundant life until it overflows according to the word of God. What does it look like? What does a warfare, warfare storm look like? You know, what's, what are the parameters of that? Well, first of all, widespread death. Even though, you know, the numbers compared to other diseases may be small, we still have tens of thousands of people that have died. That's what you have when you have a warfare storm. Widespread devastation. You have loss of property, loss of economy, people being furloughed, unemployment, you know, claims, you know, making uh, records, you know, loss of 4% plus in the, um, you know, in the economy just this last month. You know, things are happening, and they're happening because of this warfare storm that we're in. Devastation comes with a warfare storm. Number three, widespread deception, a loss of truth, a distortion of truth. You know, if you ask the average American or even Christian, you know, you don't know who's telling the truth. You don't know who's speaking truth. You've got this expert over here that says this is the way to do it. Then you have this expert over here that says this is the way to do it. You have this governor doing one thing, this governor doing another thing. You have the who's saying one thing, the CDC saying another thing. You know, if you're a Christian and you're, you're paying attention to all that, you're going to be deceived right along with them. You've got to listen to that still small voice. You need to stay in the word of God and perceive what the spirit of God is saying. And when something comes out that's not true, you need to know from your spirit man, that that is not true. But with these warfare storms comes great deception, and we're seeing that. But can I tell you something? God's going to turn on the light. God is going to turn on the light so bright, the cockroach is going to run in every direction, and we're going to know the truth. We're going to know what God has said and what people have said, what God has done, what people have done. We're going to know the agendas. We're going to know it all in Jesus' name. God is turning on the light. This is a season where widespread glorification happens, and glorification and widespread light go hand in hand. You're going to see the truth. Glory to God. Number four, warfare Storms bring widespread division. Have you noticed this? A loss of unity. This person criticizing this person, this person fighting this person. This person says, you know what? All you care about is going back to work. You don't care about lives. Well, can I tell you something? If you just care about, you know, your life, and a lot of those people that say that, you know, have their job still. A lot of those people have income coming in. You know, it's easy to say this person is wrong because you don't have the perspective or to say this person is wrong. You know what you should be doing is gathering forces and fighting this thing in the spirit instead of criticizing one another. Guess what? The person who spent 20 years building the business, that is a big deal if they lose that business. That business represents jobs. It represents insurance. It represents somebody's dream. It matters. Do people's lives matter? or two that are protecting themselves by by quarantining? Yes. But the bottom line is we need people to get together. We need the states to cooperate. We need the federal government to be in sync. We need all the voices. Do I believe there are uh, kinds of influences out there? Do I believe people are are undermining the president in some cases? Yes, I do. I truly believe there's a rat in the White House, and I truly believe the rat's going to get caught, and the rat's going to be exterminated in terms of what that influence is. But that doesn't matter. We should be walking in unity to fight this thing, and yet everybody's sniping at each other. That's when you know you're dealing with a warfare storm. Here's another uh, dimension of this. Uh, widespread demonization. 
You know, the blame game. It's this person's fault. It's that person's fault. No, you need to look beyond that. It's not flesh and blood. Ultimately, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's back there influencing. He's back there pushing people. And yes, some decisions are being made that affect people very egregiously. But behind it all, you need to blame the one who's actually doing this. God's not doing this. You know, ultimately the enemy is the one who is orchestrating the devastation that's taking place. And then warfare storms also have widespread depression. You know, people are losing their hope. They're losing their positive outlook. And many people struggled with that before this happened. And now they're in a serious place. But can I tell you something? God is a God of hope. If you put your eyes on him, he'll bring you up out of this thing. You're not going to survive. Stop even saying, I just want to survive. I just want to survive this. I can hear people say that in the spirit. I just want to survive this. No, that's not your confession. You want to thrive in the midst of this. You want to thrive on the other side of this. You want to see yourself flourishing and developing in, in so many ways, despite many people having just that survival mentality. And then last, a widespread, you know, demoralization. Motivation is gone. People saying, what's the point? Who cares? The wind has left your sails. That's not the way you want to be. But these markers tell us this is not some storm of nature. This is not natural. This is not normal. You know, things like this don't happen very often, even in the uh, the world history clock. You know, a pandemic of the Spanish flu around 1918, you know, and, and other ones at a smaller level. You know, you just don't see this happen. You could see that there's something bigger. Unless, you know what, you're under a rock, 100 feet below the sea in a cave, you know that there's something beyond the natural going on in this situation. Well, the, the, the question for you and for me is, you know, how are we going to be a thriver? instead of a survivor in the midst of this storm. How are we going to do that? I want you to turn in your Bible, if you would, over to Mark chapter 4. And let's just look at a short piece of scripture and see our model and our example for thriving, not just surviving in the midst of a storm. Say it again three times. I'm a thriver, not a survivor. I am a thriver. That needs to be your confession. So let me just read this to you and then share some observations uh, with you today. Scripture says in verse 35 of chapter 4 of Mark, That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. You see, church, what happens to you affects other people as well. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Well, let's just look at some characteristics of the thriver. You know, what are the keys for you thriving instead of just surviving? You want to come out of this thing with momentum. You want to come out of this thing with victory. You want to come out of this thing being led forth in triumph, not in defeat. Well, first of all, thrivers know what God said and they stand on the word. You know, the most important portion of this entire paragraph in the Bible is this phrase, let us go over 
to the other side. Do you know what a faith person does when they hear the word of God? They latch on to that. It doesn't matter what comes after the word. It doesn't matter if a squall comes up. It doesn't matter if a demonic warfare or demonic storm shows up. They already have the word of God on it. Let us go to the other side. You know what thrivers do? Thrivers have learned to value and honor and believe and stand on what God did say. If he said we're going to the other side, then we're going to the other side. The problem is that's not the only voice that's out there. They all heard it, but I can tell you, they did what a lot of us do. You know, God is always speaking, and oftentimes we're not paying attention. You know, it's at those moments where revelation is going forth, the devil will do everything he can to distract you. I remember Keith Moore talking about a service where he knew there was a young man in that service who was desperately seeking God, and a prophetic word began to flow, addressing that young man's, you know, exact need and situation. But Keith noticed that this man was distracted. Somebody was coming in the back door and that noise distracted him. And the whole time the prophetic word was going forth, his head was turned around trying to figure out what was going on somewhere else in the building. And by the time the prophecy was over, he finally turns around and he looks up at Keith. But it's over. He missed it. I realize this is not a very big scripture, but you understand that every word is pregnant with a supernatural dunamis might and power of God. It's a small word, but it's a word that came from the word. It's a word that came from the mouth of Jesus Christ himself. You know what? We're going to the other side. You're going to the other side in Jesus' name as well. So, you know, when you sit under the word of God and you go through your day and the spirit of God speaks something to you, you get it from the word of God. Don't dismiss that. Grab that and stand on it and say to yourself, I don't care what comes after the word. It doesn't matter what comes after the word. I'm going to the other side. Even in this situation, Jesus on the other side is going to have an interaction with a demon-possessed man. And I promise you, there is no devil in hell. The devil himself did not want Jesus getting across that body of water to minister a deliverance and let God be glorified of that man's freedom from that demon possession. And yet, he declared, and that's where your confidence has to be, we're going to the other side. You may be right now in a financial storm, a storm of depression, a storm of isolation, a storm of confusion. You may be even sick right now. I'm telling you, you're going to the other side. That's the word of the Lord for you today. And then number two today, thrivers rest in the midst of the storm. You know, there's Jesus acting like it doesn't bother him at all. We're going through the storm. You know, is he ever going to get up and do anything? Guess what happens when you labor to enter into that rest? You rest. Faith rests. You know that you're a thriver when you're resting in the midst of the situation. Now, you may have questions. You may have concerns. But if you're thriving, you're at peace in the midst of the situation. You may have been furloughed, but you have peace. You may know somebody that you care about that's sick, but you have peace. You may have been you know, let go from a small business, but you have peace. You may be a small business owner right now. But in the midst of that, you have an unexplainable rest and peace. How did that happen? That happened because you laid to enter into God's rest. You labored to enter into a peace that can only come from rest. You know something I learned a long time ago? You can't build a house in the middle of a storm. 
You can't all of a sudden, because the waves start coming up, get into your Bible, listen to your faith tapes, get your MP3s out, suddenly get interested in what we have on Roku, what we have on Facebook. No, you needed to be doing that before. Because whatever you're doing before, when the storm hits, that's what you're most likely to be. If you're already full of anxiety and fear and doubt and turmoil, that's what's most likely to manifest when you're inside that boat. On the other hand, if you've been practicing and delving into and feasting on the Word of God, and you've labored to enter into that rest, when the storm hits, you're going to be like Jesus, sleeping on the cushion as if nothing was happening. Now, we know something is happening. There's a real threat here, just like there's a real threat, so to speak, from COVID-19 and all of its consequences. But we need to understand that faith people don't, you know, freak out. They rest. Thrivers rest in the midst of the storm. Rest is a manifestation of faith. Turmoil is a manifestation of doubt. Again, stay constant, but in the storm that you're in right now, what you want to do is just rest in Him. That picture of Jesus in the middle of that storm, that's what you want to be like. That's the example that you want to have. Then number three, thrivers are confident of God's love and care. They said these unbelievable words to him. Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Really? I mean, it seems to me he came for our very welfare, and they can say something like that. Well, you know what? If you're not careful, and you're walking around in the flesh, and your emotions are driving your life, that's exactly what you'll say. You'll doubt the care of God. You'll doubt the love of God. You'll doubt that God is trying to preserve and trying to protect you. You know, Jeremiah must have felt that way in the storm that he was in. The nation was under a siege. His world had collapsed. He's facing severe depression. We see this in Lamentations 3, verse 1 through 3. And yet, this is what he said in verse 21 of that same chapter. Yes, this I call to mind and therefore have hope. You know what he did? He said, I'm going to remind myself of some things. You know what? I'm going through a storm. And the scripture indicates he was even blaming God for it. But, you know, in this situation, obviously, he needed to remember some truth. He needed to refocus and remember that God deeply loves him and cares for him. And God loves you and cares for you. You know, you're going to thrive because you're convinced that one way or the other, God is going to come through for you in this situation, regardless of the consequences of the situation or regardless of the manifestation. I directly affects you or your family. You're coming through this in Jesus' name. Come on, say it again. I'm a thriver, not just a survivor. That's who you are. You're a thriver. Well, he said, yet this I will call to mind and therefore have hope. Where's my hope going to come from? Where's my eager expectation of a good outcome going to come from? I'm going to put myself in remembrance of certain things. Remind yourself of these things. And here's what he said in verses 21 through 26. He reminded himself, first of all, of the steadfast love of the Lord. It never ceases. You know, it doesn't take a break in the middle of a storm. It doesn't take a break just because something bad is happening. It never ceases. The second thing he reminded himself above, his mercies never come to an end. Mercy is God's willingness to alleviate our distress, and his depth of mercy never ends. There's enough mercy for you, enough mercy for me, enough mercy for everybody in the world for this situation. That's how big he is. But Jeremiah reminded himself, guess what? His mercies never come to an end. So Jeremiah, you're coming through this. You're going to be a thriver 
not just a survivor. Number three, he reminded himself that the mercies are new and available every morning. You woke up today. Yesterday doesn't matter. Ten days doesn't matter. A year ago doesn't matter. Whatever happened to you previously doesn't matter. His mercies are new every morning and they're abundant for you and for me. You say, well, I've not been perfect. I've made mistakes. I've done stupid things. We'll take a number. The reality is it doesn't matter what you've done. His mercy is greater. The question is, what do you do with it? Do you run from him? Or do you go to the one that has the mercies that are new every morning? I encourage you today, be a thriver. You know, remind yourself that God's mercy is for you today. Ask him to do something today. Ask him to pour out new mercies on your life today. And then number four, he reminded himself that God's faithfulness is great. Think about that for a moment. It's not just a faithful God. He is great in his faithfulness. He is over the top in his faithfulness. We may not be faithful. People around us may not be faithful. You may not think that governments and, and, you know, states and whatever they're doing and certain representatives and health organizations, you may not think they're faithful, but faithfulness in God, it's great. God has great faithfulness. You can count on him in the midst of the situation. Lord, don't you care if we care? Really? You know, I'm the God that has great faithfulness. You know, when you are a thriver, you're confident of God's love and care in your life. He also reminded himself, number five, the Lord is his portion. Your true inheritance. Think about that. What's your inheritance? It could be gold, silver, a house, a land. Your very inheritance, child of God, is God. Think about that. And you have everything that goes with him. But your portion is the Lord himself. Jeremiah is thinking to himself, you know what? Why should I stay down? Why should I stay defeated by this, by this storm? I'm going to thrive in this storm because I've got God. And if you've got God through faith in his son, Jesus Christ, you've got everything. You're abundantly wealthy. You're rich. You're overflowing. You're flourishing because you have him. And he never leaves you nor forsakes you. You say, well, I feel like he has. Well, this has nothing to do with your emotions. Your emotions are just as fickle oftentimes as our minds and as our very heart. The Bible says the heart is deceptive. To whom? To ourselves. We're not thinking straight. We're not looking at this thing the right way. God is your portion. He's a very present help in time of need. I'll look to the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord. You've got God. Turn to somebody right now and tell them, you've got God. So snap out of it. You've got God. So you're a thriver, not just a survivor. The number six today, Scripture tells us, the Lord is good to all who hope in him. The Lord is what? Good. So if your hope is in him, you're waiting on him, your expectation is in him, guess what? He has good for you. The scripture says that he has good stored up for those that love him. He has good in mind for you. He's done nothing to you, nor will he do anything to you but good. Your God is truly good by nature, by definition, by character. And the scripture tells us he's good to all. Just like he leads all in triumph, he's good to all who hope in him. So why should you believe and be confident in God's love and care? Because he's good to you. He is good to you at a time like this. Instead of looking at all the problems, everything that's wrong, why don't you take a moment and think about all the ways that God has been good to you. 
Think about all the things that he has done, all the manifestations of his goodness. You know, if we were to add up all the good things he's done for us and put them on a piece of paper, they probably wouldn't fit. And yet we choose to look at the one or two things that aren't happening right now and magnify those. No, Jeremiah understood something about thriving in the midst of a storm. He was going to magnify the goodness of God for all those that hoped in him. And then last today, number seven, he knew and he said, it's good to wait quietly for the salvation, the soundness of the Lord. What should you be doing in the midst of a storm? Wait quietly, wait for the Lord because he is going to bring salvation and soundness in your life. He's going to bring wholeness back in your situation. So thrivers know what God said and they stand on the word. Thrivers rest in the midst of the storm. Thrivers are confident of God's love and care. Fourth, thrivers deal with the spiritual turbulence that's behind the circumstances. You could point to all these circumstances and everything that's going on. You know, this is a bad outcome and this is terrible over here. But guess what? You know, there's something behind the circumstances. In other words, Jesus knew there was something behind the manifestation of the storm and the waves. He knew there is wind. He knew there's turbulence in the spirit realm. And that's what he dealt with. They deal with turbulence with what? With words that come out of your mouth. Peace be still. Do you know, and the disciples should have known, that their words are just as powerful as the Lord's words? They have power of life and death in their mouth. They could have said, peace, be still. The bottom line for you and for me is we need to be speaking peace to the turbulence that's behind the circumstances instead of talking all the time about the circumstances, talking about the consequences. Listen to this from Brother Copeland. It's one of my favorite all-time quotes. He said, no matter how fierce the storm or how serious the problem, your tongue will turn it. No storm is so big that you as a believer cannot overcome it with God's word in your mouth. Your confession will control your ship in the midst of the storm. Hallelujah. Your confession. Whose confession? Your confession will control your ship in the storm. Do you survive or do you thrive? It's up to your mouth. Uh, thrivers deal with the spiritual turbulence behind the circumstances with the authority God gave them, binding and loosing power, the ability to release faith out of the mouth, out of the heart. That's what he's given you and me. Think about that. In Genesis, he gave us his life. He gave us his image. He gave us seed. He gave us dominion. You know, at the very inception of the life of a human being, and God's not one who gives and then takes it back. God is not one who bestows his gifts and his calling are without repentance. Right now, you still have his image, his life, dominion, and seed. Understand you have everything you need to deal with the turbulence. He did. He rebuked it. And guess what? It all calmed down. And right now, I believe all over the world, believers are getting ready to do that very thing. They're speaking peace to the turbulence and calm is coming in the natural realm. And then last today, thrivers block the fear with their faith. You have to understand they block their fear with their faith. You're either going to walk in faith in this season or you're going to walk in fear. You're either going to walk in confidence or you're going to walk in in intimidation. When you unplug from faith, you automatically plug into fear. There is no other option. There is no neutral ground. There is no spiritual Switzerland in your life. You're either in faith or you're in fear. And those that thrive have learned to block that fear with their faith. Listen to what C.S. Lewis had to say about this. He said, faith is the art of holding on to things your reason has once accepted in spite of your changing moods. 
For moods will change, whatever view your reason takes. Unless you teach your moods where they get off, you can never be either a sound Christian or even a sound atheist, but just a creature dithering to and fro with beliefs dependent on the weather. We've been taught. Now, he said, you know what? Tell your emotions where to get off. You know, we've been telling you for years and years that your emotions are not given to you to run your life, but to experience life. You can feel something. You can even feel fear, but then direct yourself in the path of God despite what you feel. What you need to do, block that fear with your faith. Why? Because your faith still works in the storm, child of God. Your faith still works. So keep believing. Your words still work in the storm, so keep speaking. Your sowing still works in the storm, so keep giving. Don't give up and don't get light on that, just keep doing it. Your praise still works in the storm, so keep magnifying it. Don't magnify the storm, don't magnify the consequences, don't magnify the players, don't magnify people behind the scenes, magnify the Lord. Praise still works in the storm, so magnify him in the midst of this situation. And then also, your hope still works in the storm, so keep expecting. Jeremiah was in a terrible place, mentally, physically, emotionally, in every way. And yet he called himself to remember the things of God, to hope in God. It still works. You still have a hope that works, so keep expecting good things in your life. You're called to develop and flourish and thrive, not survive. And then last, your compassion still works, so just keep on loving. In the midst of the storm, the love of God, the compassion of God is powerful. So just keep on loving. Keep on walking in compassion in this situation. Let everybody else get spiteful and hateful and run their mouths, you know, and get into fights and arguments and all that nonsense. You just stay in the love of God because it never fails. That's what scripture says. So how can you be a thriver instead of a survivor? Get a hold of what God said and hold on to it. He said, we're going to the other side. That's a prophetic word for you. That's a prophetic word for those that you minister to. They're going to the other side. Then second of all, thrivers rest in the midst of the storm. The mark of your faith in the storm is that you're at peace. You're at rest no matter what happens. Thrivers are confident of God's love and his care. Thrivers deal with the spiritual turbulence behind the consequences in the storm with faith-filled words in their mouth. And thrivers block the fear with their faith. Hallelujah. That's you. God has called you to be a thriver. And right now, you might feel more like a survivor. You might feel like I'm just hanging on for dear life. You could be affected by this situation in ways nobody knows. It could be taking a toll on you emotionally that you didn't expect. Well, I want to just minister to you in just a moment. We're going to pray over this thing. And God's going to put the spirit of the thriver on the inside of you. You're going to be that conqueror. You're going to be that one that triumphs. So go ahead and bow your head if you would. And just think about your own life. Are you viewing this situation more in terms of just trying to get by, just hanging on for dear life? Or has that spirit of joy and praise and, and just great excitement, expectation of what God is going to do despite this situation? You know, which, which one best describes you? 
And as your, your eyes are closed and you're meditating on these things, just be honest with yourself. You know, I've been in a survival mentality, and I can't see your hand. It's between you and God. But if that's you, you've been in a survival mode. It's time to come out of that. God never called you to be a survivor just hanging on. Well, I made it. I'm alive. I exist. That standard is entirely too low for a child of God. You're called to thrive. You're called to overcome. You are called to flourish. You are called to continue to grow and develop. 